Sometimes a man stands up during supper and walks outdoors and keeps walking because of a church that stands somewhere in the east. And his children say a blessing on him as if he were dead. And another man who remains inside his own house stays there inside the dishes and in the glasses so that his children have to go far out into the world toward that same church which he forgot. This is a passage from Rilke and I want to reflect on it a bit today. Welcome to my podcast to Hints and Guesses and to an ongoing series that I've started which I've titled uh, Eat This Scroll which is an allusion to the strange visionary prophet Ezekiel where he eats the scroll of the divine and it tastes sweet and that's a little of what I'm hoping these short meditations will invite us into which is just to consume like the Eucharist, these little passages or poems or prayers. And I'm choosing ones that have particular resonance for me and have worked me in some way and turned my life inside out and revealed something I didn't, sometimes didn't, um, I don't know, didn't even know was there, sort of hidden like just beneath the surface. And um, the first time I heard this little poem, it sort of struck me, you know, right to the core, really. I, I, I know that feeling of walking outdoors and of, I don't know, moving toward something yet unknown, a kind of calling, a kind of pull, a kind of hunger, a kind of longing for the sacred somewhere in the East. You know, I, I guess in some sense, you know, I, I, uh, I followed this kind of um, beckoning in a, a more literal sense, moving all the way to Jerusalem. What was I longing for? I was longing for that church, so to speak, that I'd forgotten, that we'd forgotten, that our fathers had forgotten, and at least that was the sense, and... Um, And that kind of like, uh, um, I don't know, walking out costs us something. I suppose it costs us something to stay and it costs us something to go. And um, so I don't know, I just want to spend a few minutes uh, turning this, this little passage around a few times. And maybe the first thing I want to say is, is just a few comments on, on the East here and what I what I hear, and of course, this is a podcast called Hints and Guesses, so you might hear something quite different. But what I hear in the image and in the symbol of the East is something of the whole, or the divine, or the mystery, or the sacred. You know, it's it's the place in which we stand in relationship to the mysteries. And you know, if you think about modern, contemporary Western life, there 
there aren't many um, there aren't many places which we could call holy ground or um, or the kind of ground in which we can stand in relationship to the mysteries. It's like no, we want to strip everything down to its uh, its materialistic components and its economic value. Even spiritualities become like a you know a, a billion dollar industry, or I made that number up, but who knows? Something like that. And um, you know, where's the church? Where's the place where we learn how to kneel? You know, that's that. Um, that's an allusion to to T. S. Eliot. Um, to kneel where prayer has been valid. Yeah. Where is that place? And, and in the fragmentation of, of big systems like religious systems and churches and, um, and really, you know, uh, historical frames of meaning are fractured and, and splintered. And we can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And so for many of us, this kind of longing uh, awakens. That's, that's what I'm hearing in, in, I don't know, in this image of the yeast. And um, yeah, and it costs us something. And, you know, it's like Jesus saying, he has that haunting line, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. And, you know, Jesus says a lot of paradoxical things, and this is one of many. And when you put it alongside of his other teachings, but yeah, it's like um, that hesitation, that resistance, you know, sort of like uh, Lot's wife who looks back at the city in longing and, and turns to salt. And, you know, that, that's what can happen to us on the, on the heart level, on the soul level. And um, I don't know, so, so there's something to be said. And, and you know, the terrible cost that Rilke is pointing out here has to do with children. And, there, you know, you can read this quite literally or you can read it a little more metaphorically and maybe both are, uh, it's not an either or, I suppose. And, um, you know, your own kids can, you know, cross themselves or whatever and, and say a blessing and as if you're gone, you know, because in some ways you are, you're, you've left the world of, social, economic, um, identity. So, um, yeah, maybe just a couple of other things. Uh, and I think that I'm hearing, and I, I think when I first read this poem, like, like, like most things, if you're honest, the, the, the ego or, the dualistic mind, and I don't even think that's a negative thing. I think that's a kind of gift too, but tends to divide, divide things always up into the good and the bad here. And, you know, you can read this as the good is the one who leaves and goes East. And I don't think it's that straightforward. And, um, you could easily say that, that, um, you know, staying inside the dishes and glasses has its own, you know, power has its own, capacity to work and sends our kids off on their own journey. So, I mean, just in the spirit of, of trying to hear, um, you know, two sides of this 
paradoxical dilemma, I think we can hold them like that. Maybe there's a moment for going east and a moment for remaining inside our own house, or maybe we have to remain in our own house and inside the dishes and glasses um, until the current of our life kicks us out. You know, maybe it's not so much a matter of even will, but of, I don't know, the mystery like in the Jonah story, throwing us into the ocean when the time is right. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking now of, of, of this line about the children here, and they have to go out, you know, far into the world, and I certainly resonate with that, toward that same church which our father's forgotten. It's like, you know, the... Um, Fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And Or it reminds me of, of Jung's haunting line about parenting. The greatest burden a child bears is the unlived life of the parent. And, and so when we're not living our life connected to, to the deeper thread here or to the myth or mystery of our own life, our own mythos and our own ultimate way of, of living and being in the world, Something goes wrong and and it spills out into our into our families and to the family systems and in our unlived life we you know we burden on our own children and you know until eventually they say enough and they leave you know what have our fathers and forefathers neglected here and you know I'm I'm sticking with the masculine here because that's the language of, that Rilke's using here. Of course, it's a translation, but uh, um, so I don't know what the German alludes to, but, you know, I think on one level he's talking about just being a human being, but on another level there might be some mystery to um, kind of the masculine archetypal mode of change. So I'm just keeping it there. There might be some feminine mysteries hidden in another poem that is about change, but of a different color, different vibe. So and I think one of the main points that Rilke is alluding to is just the modern spiritual poverty in which we live and this age of of breakdown and dismantling or dismembering even and of course all those those words those big words have archetypal meaning and and part of the patterns of the great patterns of change and um even what we could even call an evolution of consciousness i was thinking of uh, i've been reading some edward edinger uh, lately and and he talks kind of in great length in this in a book called ego and archetype about the fragmentation of religion and 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 how the ways in which the great religious symbols at one time kind of held us together personally and collectively and you know you could say for better or worse but um certainly gave us a kind of a a a frame in which to find our feet and you could you could say almost without exception those symbols have been shattered and it's kind of like those pieces are floating out there now and and they're filled with energy and i'll try to be brief here but he says 
oftentimes we have three possibilities in this kind of modern um, landscape. And the first is some of that energy, I'll just use some, you know, psychological words, words kind of returns back down to the ego, we could say. So, you know, the, the, um, the great symbols and doctrines and patterns to which we were saying, hey, there's meaning, there's truth. Are, are broken and they come back down to the ego and he says one thing they do is they bounce right off and they go back up to something else like typically an ideology a political position you know right left um you know uh being anti-woke or uh pro um diversity equity and inclusion you know these kinds of like binary um, usually ideological and political positions, communism, capitalism, whatever it happens to be, but all it's all that religious energy, the power there. It's like it reflects back off the ego and comes straight back up to, to an ideology, which you then cling to like a fundamentalist. I'm adding that phrase, but that's often how it is. And, and you, you cling to it with religious devotion. It's a pretty scary place to be really. And just look around. You know, how many uh, political, social, ideological positions, flag waving, banner, banners, um, marching in the streets are are held with the same religious zealotry you would see, you know, say in the Crusades or something. You know, he says the next option is that it comes back down to the to the ego and the ego feels totally alienated and isolated like uh, a meaningless fragment of chemicals, synapses, atoms, and molecules in a meaningless universe of the same. You know, that's that kind of like existential nihilistic alienation. And look around. Yeah, that's that happens. Maybe we, you know, it's not always an either or, but you can feel that. Yeah, there there is no meaning then. And he says the, the third and most rare possibility is that it kind of returns to the ego, but then in some way cracks it open and, and you start going deeper down toward, you know, to use Jungian language toward the self with a capital S and toward the mysteries of my own existence to the ego being simply a, a tiny little island on a vast ocean of, of the unconscious and, and down deep within there is a kind of ordering, the image of God, we could say, and, um, you know, the self. You could even say the true self, and I don't want to get into a whole conversation about what does Jung mean by the self and where others use true self. There, there's some differences here, but I just mean like, no, the fragmentation here takes us on that, on that deeper journey, and that's the pull I think that Rilke is pointing out. No, we leave for a church in the East and it costs us something great. It costs us a, a, a place in the world, you know, that's recognizable as, as important. Yeah, and when, when we pursue, you know, something more mysterious and um, I don't know. So maybe, maybe you hear something in, in, Edinger's uh, possibilities here. And so I guess I want to end with a few questions and then I'm going to read it one more time here. And 
I don't know. Here are questions that I'm asking and they kind of don't have answers, I guess, but what have I forgotten? You know, are there still things in my, my current, uh, worldview that, that are insufficient? And the answer to that is, of course, you know, I have false beliefs right now as I'm speaking, you know, and I have ways of seeing the world that no longer work. And, um, you know, what have I forgotten and what would it look like for me to orient my life, uh, toward that, uh, toward the East here and toward the sacred and to walk toward that. That's what I call a religious orientation, you know, uh, um, that following that longing. And I think this is part of the great invitation of, of midlife. And I don't really mean that, uh, age wise, but sort of like when your first house is, you know, constructed well enough and all of a sudden you realize the, the foundations are, are rotten in some way and, and you got to move out. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, where is this seed of meaning we could say, or these threads of connection and that I've ignored or severed and, and I don't think really East means going back to church. I mean, there's nothing wrong with going to a church. You know, I went to church on Christmas Eve and it was interesting. Like, uh, the hymns and the songs and the passages and prayers that I haven't heard in a, in a really long time. Like there was something, um, still evocative about kind of the, the way, uh, what's the right way of saying it? It's like sort of like a way of facing the world. It's like, Oh yeah, there's a, there's a way of facing the world that is different and more ancient. That was my sense. And, and I don't know, what would it look like for me? You know, we used to say always, you need a personal relationship with God when I was a kid or with Jesus. And, but it is still something like that. And that's part of the, I think the pull to the East. And, um, I don't need to conform anymore to how, um, how I should sound or what I should believe. But the great adventure is, is to find out um, my own way of, of lighting a lamp or um, putting one foot in front of the other. And maybe the most important question I, I think coming up out of this is, um, uh, where am I really? And to fully accept that. If I'm at home in the glasses and in the dishes, really be there. Really, really be there say i resist the east and inhabit that fully and let it work you and um and if you've left and put your hand to the plow try not to look back you know just fully inhabit the place where you are and trust that there's some kind of larger shaper at work here a shaping hand at work here and at least that's what i'm hearing here's the passage sometimes Sometimes a man stands up during supper and walks outdoors and keeps walking because of a church that stands somewhere in the east. And his children say a blessing on him as if he were dead. And another man 
who remains inside his own house stays there, inside the dishes and in the glasses, so that his children have to go far out into the world toward that same church which he forgot. <laughs>